so here's the here's the here's the situation. So this is recording. So this is going to go live on our podcast feed. So the people listening on the podcast, there's you, and then there's people who are live right now. I think over a thousand people live. So we're on this thing called Stonks.com. I guess I got I kind of got to do a disclosure. I'm an investor. Sean, are you an investor? No, but right. uh, fan. Fan. So stocks.com, it's they uh we were friends with them. They asked us to do this, and it was actually we say no to everything, but this was a cool idea. So basically, five startups are gonna pitch us, and we're gonna maybe invest, but very likely tear them apart and also compliment <laughs> them. We're gonna make like some good content out of this, right? Yeah, uh yeah, okay, great. I'm down. And we don't know much about these startups ahead of time, so it's all gonna be kind of fresh. And there's a comment section. Do you see the comment section, Sean? Like where people are chatting? Yeah. So if, yeah, like, yeah. if there's any good questions. And also on the stock. They can invest, right? Like they can yeah. just put in money. Yeah. So like if they see something, I, I don't think they can like, they're not literally going to fund the company right there, but they're going to say like, I'm interested. Let's talk. And honestly, that's probably what I'm going to do. I'd never like <laughs> on these things. I, I cannot like I've seen these things and someone's like, I'm in for $100,000. And they say they're like right on the spot. I'm not that impulsive. Are you? Uh, yeah, I'm that impulsive. Uh, and it's also more dramatic. So I'm a, I'm a sucker for the drama. I'll do it. Oh, all right. Well, at least one of us will. Um, and then do you, if you go to the chat of this video thing, you'll see the order of, of people that they're going to go. And um, we're going to talk to one person. I think they get two minutes and then we get eight minutes to talk to them. And then it's going to say like, time's up, move to the next one. Does that make sense? This is pretty sick. Let's do this. Hey, quick break to talk about our sponsor today. We're talking about HubSpot and their new AI-powered service hub. Okay, so what is service hub? Basically, every customer today wants to be talked to in a personalized way. And before, that required tons of human agents. But now, with AI, you could do that in a personalized way with fewer humans involved. And so you don't have to scale up your team in order to deliver personalized chat and service. So check out HubSpot's new service hub to use their AI tools to give better support to your customers. That's what they want and that's what they deserve. So visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn how this all new solution can help you deliver customer service with AI to your customers. All right. Uh, we have John Hancock uh, from Stonks is like our assistant here. He's going to be feeding us startup. So John, do you want to bring the first one up? John, is that a real name? I don't think so. <laughs> hey guys. What's up, Tarush? How's it going? Thank you so much for the time. Okay, take it away. Awesome. My name is Tarish. I'm the founder and CEO of 5X. Um, been fortunate enough to spend my career in the data space, from being the first data engineer at Salesforce to most recently running data for WeWork, supporting thousands of employees. Over the last few years, I've been super interested in the modern data stack. It's estimated that over 77% of companies in the next 10 years in some way, shape, or form are going to use the modern data stack. The problem is that there's a big disconnect in what vendors are selling today and what customers need. Over 90% of customers are investing in data to get a business ROI, yet the vendors are really focused on selling individual categories. What this means is that customers have to have expertise, they need to sign multiple contracts, they need to stitch this together. All of this is taking away from actually getting business output. 5X is the first end-to-end -end data platform which is focused on business output. So we license and integrate with the different vendors in the space. And as an end result, we can provide customers with an end-to-end -end platform, depending on their use cases, industry size, budget. On top of this, we also have a services model where we can give companies access to high-quality engineers who are pre-trained on the stack. Today, we interview hundreds of engineers fully automated, and we get to hire the top 0.1%. End result, customers can implement end-to-end -end data strategies in weeks instead of spending time signing all these contracts. We're less than a year old, million-dollar run rate on a POC with zero marketing. 
Um, and we're super excited that we are going to be profitable by the end of this month. All right. Uh, good stuff. Um, Sam, so uh, what does this business do? That's what I'm <laughs> I'm trying to I, I, I was trying to interrupt you earlier, but I think I I was muted. Um, I need can you kind of dumb this down for me for a little bit? I'm looking at you. So so let me for the listeners. All right. So the website is 5x.co. Right now, you are raising $300,000 at a $25 million valuation. You got to a million dollars in ARR in less than a year. I don't know what POC means. When I see POC, I, okay. people of color, that's what I thought about. What's that <laughs> point, point of contact? Okay, Proofy so contact. like uh, uh, some companies are telling you that they're going to pay you up to a million dollars, right? Or collectively, or they actually have. They actually are paying us monthly. And Dude, you got a million dollars in a proof of concept? That sounds pretty sick to me. Okay, yep. but I'm going to be honest. I don't know what the hell you do. Can you explain to me? I've never worked at a big company before, so I'm kind of like a big dumb idiot. It's not just for big companies. Think of, you know, if you want to get value from data, fundamentally, you need two things. You need infrastructure. You need tools, infrastructure. You might have heard of Tableau or Snowflake. And the second thing you need is people. Now, the way the infrastructure is working today is every vendor is really focused on one small part of the stack. So if you want to do something like analytics, you need to go sign four or five different vendors, sign these upfront contracts, and stitch this together yourself. Now, if an industry is going to become mainstream, then you can't really expect 90% of customers who don't you, care about it. When you say words like vendors, it's, it's still hard for me to understand. Give me a very specific example. So, you, like, use, name, use this name. format. Yeah, you yeah, use so, a format that's like um, X, X company had Y problem. Yeah. They, they tried Z, but the problem with Z is this. So then yeah. we came in and we do it differently instead. Sure. So X company, you know, wants to figure out where Who? the customers are coming. Name, in. name, Fill name. In. Yeah, name. <laughs> Sorry, that was uh, confusing. We use one of our customers. Bank Novo wants to figure out where the customers are coming from. How do they personalize their app? How do they save costs and, you know, optimize their sort of cash flow? They now don't know where to go. They can go buy a single reporting tool like Tableau, but... The end-to-end data strategy is a lot more comprehensive. There's a lot more than just having a dashboarding tool. Instead of having to hire multiple engineers, instead of having to go sign all of these different tools and vendors, they come to 5X. 5X instantly gives them an end-to-end platform, which has got all of these vendors. We license these vendors and can give customers an end-to-end platform. On top of this, if Bank if Bank Nova doesn't have the resources to figure out how to go use it, they can add uh, engineers on our side who are pre-trained on the platform. End result, they're getting business output in weeks, whereas if they tried to go do this themselves, it would be 12 times slower and six times more expensive. All right, that's way better. Um, and one question, how on earth did you get people to spend a million dollars with you on a proof of concept? Because this sounds like a very hard thing to sell and a million dollars is a lot of money. On, and is it actually like they're going to pay you a certain amount of money every single year? Yeah, so, you know, at the moment, we, you know, we, so in the next two months, our self-service platform will be live, right? So anyone will be able to go to 5X, enter their credit card for a few hundred bucks a month. You'll have the, you'll have the, you'll have the platform. So early stage companies can do this by spending very little money. What we do today, because the self-service platform isn't ready, we combine the, a semi-automated platform plus a services model. So you get engineers, plus you get 
uh, plus you get the platform. So our average order value at this point is about 10K a month. Um, multiply that by about 10, 15 customers, we're at a million dollar plus run rate. Which basically means you're doing it by hand from now and then you're uh, raising money so you can automate it all. Correct. It's semi-automated already. It would take a consultant about three or four months just to give you that platform. They would go build it and they would start from scratch. We do it in less than one day today. Hmm, Semi-automated. And where are these customers coming from? So let's dig into this 1 million of ARR. So you said you got uh, 10K per customer, roughly 10, 15K, um, and roughly 10 customers that are paying you monthly right now. so you got 100k a month, uh, you know, roughly, roughly in, in revenue. Where did these customers come from? Is this inbound, outbound? Do you have a growth strategy? Like, do you have a strategy yeah. that would just lead you to the next three million? Also, sure. At the moment, we've done zero marketing. We've been really been focused on on the platform. We have been producing content on my LinkedIn, um, on YouTube, mainly getting customers by word of mouth and by that. So really, the last eight months were really on. Using this as a proof of concept. Uh, using this as a proof of concept. This is not just a technology problem. You have to convince all of the vendors in the space to give you API access to provision them, integrate with them, bill for them. Um, so you know you need. It's a little bit of a chicken and an egg problem where you need customers and at the same time you need to show these vendors that you that you they, they actually is traction and we become an added sales channel for them. Huh. Okay. I. Uh, what else, Sean? Uh, I guess I'll just give you a little bit of feedback on the pitch itself. So yeah. um, a couple things, your house or wherever you're at, super nice, um, almost distractingly nice. I kind of like my founders to be a little more uh, scrappy than that. Just going to put that out there. Where are um, you? <laughs> I'm in Bali. Oh, he's in Bali, man. Okay. It's, it's probably, it's probably not, not the most uh, expensive place. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, second thing, um, you know, I think you want to, I think you tried to get the most information into the pitch. Whereas I think you want kind of want to slow down and you need to just like work on that first 30 seconds to be, uh, figure out the thing that I was confused about. Sam was confused about most of the chat. If you look on stonks was confused about, which was, I don't really know what this does, right? When you say end to end, that makes sense to you because you're knee deep in it. But for us, we've never heard of five X before. So we're like end to end what, and yep. you know, all of the, all of the words were quite, um, you know, generic. So like, you know, vendors, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and, and so you, what you want to do is basically just be able to, to paint a picture. So, you know, did you ever work at a company that had this problem? Or if you've ever been the marketing manager at a company, you know, that you spend almost, you know, six months getting your analytics platform and then integrating it. And then you have to get your CRM and then integrate it. Then you have to do this and then integrate it. And so it takes months just to get set up with the things you need to be able to see your business. And every business has the same problem. So what we do is we go to that person and we say, Hey, Use us and you get X, Y, Z, right? Benefits out of this. And people are choosing it because of this. We got a million dollars in uh, in ARR already as a, you know, during our pilot, just, you know, in a couple of weeks or whatever it is. Now I'm kind of more engaged. What else? Awesome. Um, here, and look, this is actually quite easy. What year did you join WeWork? Someone in the chat said, this guy made a bunch of money off the WeWork IPO. And then I just went to your website and it said you worked at we work so I, I don't know what the truth is i joined in i think or 2017 uh i did nice. not make money off the ipo that, that's okay that's irrelevant i it, i mean that would have been sick if you were it looks like you did because you're in that nice house but um i guess what i was trying to get at is 
I would do exactly what Sean said, but I would use the WeWork story. So we were at when I when I worked at yeah. WeWork because you were the head of data. It looked like at WeWork or something like like some like pretty you led data for WeWork. Your bio says yep. that sounds impressive. It doesn't matter if it is, but it sounds like it. And so I would use the story of like I led data at WeWork when we were this size, and I grew the company to this size. And a problem that we consistently had was blank, blank, blank. And we solved it by hiring tons of people. And it was still like riddled with errors. And in talking to other people in this data world, I noticed they all had the same problem. And so to bootstrap this company and get it off the ground, I hired a couple friends. And we actually have been doing this by hand. And we convinced X, Y, and Z to give us some money. And slowly or quickly, we've actually automated a lot of it. Um, and we've automated by doing X, Y, and Z. So now all these companies who want to get this thing done, they can actually use us. And instead of hiring 30 people, they just use have one person use this bit of software. And it saves them X amount of money and X amount of time. You know what I mean? Like, I have, by the way, I'm just totally riffing. I don't know any of this is true. No, that's but, great. But you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, but now, if, if we should just get to the product, I think it sounds neat. And it looks like, my good friend Anker invested, and he's actually quite—he's um, actually quite impressive as he knows his shit. I, I think it's a cool company. Yeah, I would—I would definitely just based off your traction alone, I would want to learn more because I'm like, okay, uh, you know, a good pitch is not necessarily a good business, but good traction is usually a good business. And so you actually have good traction at a bad pitch. That's okay. Uh, so I would want to learn more and uh, and dig in to understand how much of this is a service and consulting business versus is this going to be software and this is going to be automated because it sounds like you've actually found a problem that people care about. Um, we'll see how, how kind of durable that is. And then we can go from there. So um, thanks for coming on, man. I think, uh, you know, for both of us, it seems like the answer is like, we'd actually want to learn a little bit more uh, and, and look at the deck before we, uh, we go too far. Amazing. Thank you. Thank You're you guys awesome. So much. Thanks for uh, being brave thanks and doing this. So Sean, he, um, so on the stonks platform, it says he's got $75,000 of interest. I do agree this potentially is more of a services play. Um, but we actually just talked about that company, Worldwide Technology. And this sounds just like it, doesn't it? Yeah, there's, a, there's several companies that are like this. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, SaaS companies that have like a, like a, either a consulting thing. That's how they get embedded. Or it's like just an ongoing revenue stream, and it actually can get quite substantial. So I don't think that's a complete. Um, no, I didn't. I didn't mean like that. I, I didn't mean that as a diss. But. I, I kind of said it as like, ah, is this a, just a consulting company? Because if it was just a consulting company, I, I would not do it. But, um, but yeah, I, I was just so confused for half the time. That I didn't really get to think about. Uh, didn't really get to think about the business. To be honest, I was trying to figure out what the heck it does. Yeah, that was a, a little bit of an error. Hopefully, he'll fix that. But uh, this type of business. I think it'd be sick to own. I don't know if you, if I don't know why you'd want to raise money if you got a million dollars and and just by selling. The, by the way, the simple test here is uh, like just say the first like thirty to sixty seconds of your pitch to somebody, and then be like uh, to a friend and just be like, um, "Hey, can you play that back to me?" Like so, based on what I said, what does my company do? Like, and what you want to know is, do they get it? First of all, like you have to get it. And then are you interested in it? Does it sound compelling? And if it's not, if you don't get it, it's not compelling. Like don't move forward. Don't go to the rest of the pitch and you need a friend or you need like random people who are going to do that. And the format you use was good because you, you sort of like added the team and credibility. It's like, well, when I was leading data for WeWork, right. you know, uh, all the shenanigans were going on, but in my little corner of the world, we actually had 
this much, you know, this big problem that we had to deal with. And uh, that's where I kind of realized that every company has this issue that blank and blank and blank. And it's like, oh yeah, that's a good format generically for a pitch. Yeah, I agree. Um, Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct to consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, if you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives that I thought was pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, John Hancock, you want to send us the next one? All right. All right, Kenny. Kenny, you got it. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. So I am Kenny. I'm one of the co-founders of Baccarat, and we've built the world's first online marketplace for group airfare. And the problem that we set out to solve is that group airfare, flights of 10 or more people traveling t- together, it's sold offline. So what does this mean? Say that you are a, uh, you're organizing an eighth grade school trip and you're flying 50 people from San Francisco to Orlando. If you want to shop for, uh, for quotes, you actually have to call the, air- call the airline's group desk over the phone. And once you get something that you like, well, the offline nature of groups doesn't end there. It's really important to note that group airfare is unlike booking a normal ticket. So it actually takes place in five unique stages. And that's from shopping to deposit to final payment, submitting names list. And before Baccarat, all of that happened over the phone. So we thought in 2022, this is insane. That uh, world with so much money in it uh, operates totally offline. So we created what's like a B2B Expedia-like marketplace for shopping for flights of 10 or more people. In terms of traction, uh, we, we did launch Baccarat in uh, October of 2021. We have really strong growth, great unit economics, and we're actually profitable. Um, as a business model, we make between 10 and 15% margin on flights. And from January to April, We've done $4.2 million worth of total sales. We take about $1,700 in revenue per per group and have 40 corporate customers that are using the platform today. And one of the most exciting things that happened as a result of the pandemic is we got a ton of inbound from corporate meeting uh, and team offsites that are looking to book group airfare. It's our fastest growing customer segment, and it's caused us to build out a bunch of tools to meet the needs of meeting planners. And you're probably asking, why is, uh, why is this the team to bring group airfare from analog to digital? Well, we have really deep uh, domain expertise in group travel. Our CEO, Eric, uh, previously sold a tour operator business where he kind of learned the ropes of the business. And then our team internally from the service side to the tech side, we have a lot of deep expertise in travel tech. And we think that we have a shot to be both the storefront and the underlying operating system for group airfare. So we'd love to answer any questions that you have about our business. Are we live? Or, uh, can yeah. you hear us? Dude, the top comment is actually pretty funny, which is says, fly together and yeah. groupflights.com is available. Uh, <laughs> go by the domain. Yeah. Go by the domain. Uh, Eric, get on that one. <laughs> yeah, you, no, you, you got 
You got the uh, the the stonks chat adding some value here. They're the real value add investor. I love this. <laughs> also, I like how you just like looked off screen. He's like, Ma, go buy the domain. <laughs> Ma, the meatloaf. <laughs> yeah, because Baccarat. I thought you were like a, a Chinese gambling website when you uh, when you first came on. I thought this is Baccarat. Well, based also on your last cool. podcast, that wouldn't be a bad idea too. Uh, that <laughs> Australian enough. business is crazy. Fair enough. What? Okay, um, so- can, yeah, wait, ahead, can I ask a, let me ask a clarifying question on the pitch. You said that you get 10 to 15%. And I think your chart said, did your chart say 100,000 a month in bookings? Or did it, well, your, I forget what your, but you, you said 4 million. Between, can you pull up the traction slide again? Yeah, it was like 4 million between January and April. Does that mean that between January, January and April, you did 4 million? But the, did, yeah. Yeah. So that's we did GMV, four, correct? We did, yeah, exactly. So we've sold four point two million dollars worth of group airfare, and we're averaging about a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month in revenue. And that's the revenue that, like, it's real revenue. That, yeah. That's what you, and how old's the business? So we started in twenty eighteen. Uh, we survived the pandemic just barely, um, and then probably like half of our clients kind of uh, didn't make the pandemic. So it's kind of like a fresh restart for us. Um, prior to us launching flight shopping, we were just a trip management platform for tour operators. So like if uh, someone did like a lot of student travel, sending people to like DC and Orlando, they would use our trip management platform, just a way to stay organized and make sure that they don't miss deposits and final balances. Uh, and then we had a lot of time to ourselves during the pandemic. So we made flight shopping because it was our number one request. People don't want to call the airlines for, for quotes. And then how many people work there? We have 11 now. Got it. Okay. Okay. Um, so maybe in each of these, Sam, maybe we do like uh, first, like kind of like clarifying questions slash like reaction to the business, and then maybe some pitch feedback at the end of like how to get that better. But like, okay, so reactions to the business and clarifying questions. So um, you are trying to do group travel uh, for corporate, and um, and you said something at the beginning, which was like it's insane that there isn't really a good solution for something with this much money in it. I didn't catch. Did you say how much is spent booking group travel every year? Yeah, so I didn't. It's about $130 billion worth of just total group spend. Um, and that equates to about 5% of an airline's revenue. So floating around about 225 million passengers fly as part of a group um, pre-pandemic. Okay, cool. So 5% of airline, rev- uh, airline revenue is done th- via these groups. And that's all kind of the over the phone or some like some other old school method at the, at the current currently. Exactly. Yep. Okay, cool. And then what's the why now? Cause people have been doing like travel startups forever. Uh, like, you know, uh, booking.com price sign. These were, I think booking.com price sign came out like in 1995 or something crazy like that. Yeah. And so why has nobody tackled this part of it? Cause I've seen travel startups in every angle but what is there anything that's unlocked now or you're just you, you finally have the great idea? What's going on here? No. So not finally have the great idea. Uh, we do have some people that are competitors that sell a SaaS solution to airlines that allow airlines to make like a white label version of what of what of what we do. The why now is before the pandemic, Lufthansa, American Airlines, United is rumored to be working on it. Uh, they want to go digital for their groups and they've actually instituted a private white label. And so we see it happening in the same way that like single tickets came online. We think groups will come online. So the airlines are already starting to do the underlying tech. 
And we think that's amazing. And we want to be basically that that second shelf that they sell their 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 group airfare in. How, how are you getting the customers now? Because isn't travel like the hardest? Like uh, when I think of like hardcore customer acquisition people, I think of like online gambling. I think of gaming, and then like travel. Uh, yeah, like that seems like the most cut one of the most cutthroat industries to get customers. Because I think. Um, the guys who started Reddit started Hitmonk, and uh, it didn't work out because they just like couldn't yeah. get uh, like or you know it wasn't as big nearly as big as Reddit. Uh, how how are you getting those customers? Yeah, so currently right now about ninety nine percent of our business is B two B. So we get customers really in two core ways. Uh, one, we have a referral pro a referral program. So we are a we're a preferred partner for like meeting planners and tour operators in the student travel space. And if you refer us business, we give you like $5 per, uh, per, per ticket booked. That has been enough to send us so much business that we have to like hire and raise money. Uh, then the second way is kind of old school, like industry events are still really popular, just meeting with meeting planners and tour operators. Uh, and then something that we'll try to get better with um, in time is like SEO. There's not a lot of com- of competition for like the keywords group airfare. Before the pandemic, we got it down to like 72 cents a click. Um, but admittedly, since we just survived and we didn't have the capital to run a bunch of marketing experiments, uh, we're not doing any paid at the moment. And then until now, you got a bunch of savages in the chat that are all going to start bidding you up. I know. So, so, they already bought the domain fly together before you could get it. So okay. anyway, explain what are the terms of the raise? So you're raising how much at what valuation? Yeah, so we would like to raise $1.5 million at a $15 million cap. Great. And so for somebody listening to the podcast, there's people who listen to the podcast that don't, uh, they're not part of like the angel investing scene. How does it come? Uh, are you just $15 million? Wait, but you said you're doing 150000 a month in revenue. So is it some revenue multiple? Just explain, where's this $15 million magic number come from for you? Yeah, so... Um, we have our customers book pretty far out. So like our average customer books nine, nine months out. So through the end of the year, we should make about $1.5, $1.6 million in revenue. And so we just took that top line number and times it by 10 to kind of be safe. No, there's been crazy stuff happening, but we want to be set up for success and fair. Um, so we just times it by 10. And then what is the like, what's actually happening under the hood? So you didn't show like a demo or search engine or how somebody sure. actually does this. Is there, are there APIs? Are you just like calling the airline yourself under the hood? Like what's, what's actually happening? Yeah. So under the hood, we are connected with two. Are you familiar with like travel technology? No. Okay. So really high level. I know that where time is running out. So we're connected to two GDSs called Sabre and Amadeus. That's how we get the flight content. And then we had to build some stuff on top to make sure that groups work because there's limitations of the legacy system. But I think our time is up and that could be a whole podcast. Let me ask one, let me ask one more question. Um, this is something that I love asking everyone that I invest in, which is like five, 10, 15 years down the line. How does this, how big, how much revenue are you going to be making and how am I going to get my money back? Yeah. I think that we can be both the store, the, the storefront and the underlying pipes for groups so uh, if you were thinking about getting like a ride, you would open the, U- the Uber app. If you were thinking about booking flights of 10 or more, I think that you come to backride.com. 
But how do I, and how, so how big do you think the business will get and what's going to happen? Someone's going to buy you for a billion dollars. Someone's going to buy you for a hundred million dollars. You're going to go public. What do you think will happen? What's yeah, I think there, there's a, there's a really, uh, a really clear path for us that we get to like $50 million in revenue in the next like five to six years. Um, and beyond that, I'm not totally sure, but I, the path to 50 is pretty clear. That's a good answer. Okay. Yeah, that's a great answer. Uh, in, in general, fantastic pitch actually, uh, the thing I was saying before, got to be clear, got to be compelling in the first minute. You were extremely clear, extremely compelling. I think it's pretty, pretty clear you know your stuff. Uh, as you were asked questions about it, you had good, honest answers. You didn't oversell, but you um, you got to the point on, on, on each one of those questions. So I think a really strong, really strong pitch uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I would, I, I'd, I'd love to learn more. Cool. Awesome. That was a good one. And it was yeah. very, it was very, 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 very clear. One thing that wasn't clear, which is like, uh, how big is this? Pro- I mean, I don't know anything about group flights, and it turns out. So he said it's it it's a hundred billion dollars worth of tickets booked a year as group flight. Is that what he said? Hundred thirty billion of group spend, which is five percent of all airline revenue, is what he said. Yeah, he buried the lead on that one a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So like you know that question we asked, that's got to go to the front of his presentation, which is like, um. Yeah, booking group travel sucks. And by the way, this sounds like it might just be this fringe thing, but there's over 130 billion a year going through uh, group group travel. And today, that's all done still on the phone, which is crazy because most of all other ticketing, 90 other 80 percent of the other ticketing is just done online now. Yeah, that's going to happen for group travel, and we're going to make it happen. Right? I would have been like, uh, all right. So group travel is defined as 10 or more tickets. Guess how much revenue is booked per year doing that. Yeah, guess how much revenue is, is a nice one. A, confidence. B, makes the other person insecure. C, they're almost always going to guess wrong when you have a yeah. really high number because uh, yeah. they just don't have right, the right frame. And you say $128 billion, That's 5% of all tickets are booked that way. And guess how they book it. They have to f- call the airline and book it all like manually. It's a pain in the butt. Like That's how I would have done it. But yeah. he did. He did really good. And I would put a screenshot of the uh, website. Be like, this is a, you know, if I go to like whatever, Delta or I go to Expedia, like Look, all the there's a million buttons on the screen. There's not one. If you want to find the group button, go to help, go to phone. This is where you go for that. This is where 130 billion flows through, right? Like I'd really emphasize that problem. And then I'd show my screen, which is like a Google search engine. That's like, here's how it works on fly together. You just go here. You just say how many people, where you're going. And then we take care of the rest. We do a bunch of crazy stuff under the hood to make that automated. Um, and it's working. We have, you know, we've done 4 million in booking so far. That translated into $150,000 a month of revenue for us. So we're on a X million, you know, $2 million run rate. And uh, by the end of the year, blah, 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 blah. Dude, uh, I agree. Everything said one thing that what it bothers. There's two things that when startups, when I'm talking to them, that bothers me. One is when they use ARR and it's not actually annually recurring revenue. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, it means um, a- annual run rate. I'm like, dog, come on. You know, like <laughs> none of us like use that word that way. And the second thing is when they say revenue, but it's GMV, which stands for I don't gross merchandise volume. So it's like if you're eBay, you sell technically like let's say a hundred billion worth of stuff, but eBay only captures five percent of that. You know, I'm making that up, but like I I need it's so confusing to me when they say like, that. I, I wrote this note during the thing, right? Like I have this little whiteboard here I'm writing on. And I wrote revenue presented weirdly because he wrote four point two million in sales, but it was like that's an aggregate over five months. Then he wrote like. Uh, we take 1.7 per customer. It's like, dude, just say how much revenue you have. Like, make that the first one. We do this much per month or per year. That's our current <laughs> run rate. <laughs> that's that's not GMV. That's what we take home. 
in terms of GMV, we've done this much, right? Like that would be a big improvement over uh, over the traction side. But very uh, very cool yeah. company though. You want to do another yeah. one, Mr. Hancock? Where you at? Hello. What's up? All good. And uh, thanks for doing that. It's actually pretty fascinating. So my name is Oren. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Munch. And I'm accompanied by uh, Peter, my co-founder and CTO. Um, we both have some, uh, I have too many years of experience in business and tech leadership roles. And we've been building Munch for the past few months, uh, getting out of the validation phase and into our MVP and initial traction. So what is Munch? Think about your favorite YouTuber, apart from yourself. Let's say this person has 1 million subscribers on YouTube. Now, what if I tell you that chances are that this person has almost all of, of other content professionals has only one to two successful distribution platforms? I mean, this is mostly the case in, in, in almost all cases. This is because it takes a lot of time, money, professional know-how to succeed on each and every social platform. It's actually pretty different to be successful on TikTok or Facebook or Instagram or YouTube. They're totally different platforms and different audiences. Due to that, most of them don't even try to, uh, to put in that effort and kind of give up, even though it can grow their revenue streams and their monetization potential quite, quite in, in quite uh, reasonable uh, uh, numbers. So, we are a team of builders, dreamers, and content creators on a mission to build the first platform that will serve as a home for content, content professionals. There are no other platforms currently serving as a home, as a place that a content professional can do everything from uh, creating their, uh, their new content based on data-driven processes, repurposing the content for different types of platforms, doing research on what's the next, next content that they want to create and actually distribute it on all platforms and monetize. The content creation market is currently estimated at around $65 billion with an annual growth rate of 15%. This means that it will get to $140 billion by 2026. And combine that with the creator economy, we're talking about $200 billion market. It's a rather big market. And we are currently raising $500,000 on top of the $900,000 that we already raised. We have $250,000 already committed and we're looking for $250 more. The idea is to take this money and use it to boost our dev team and uh, create the, the first version of the product by this November, increase our traction and start, uh, 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 start testing different pricing levels with their initial uh, paying customers. So we're looking still for some new partners that can actually uh, teach us a bit more about the media business. Okay. Dude, for, first of all, let me say the people who are not English speaking and pitch, fucking awesome. That would That's, I cannot imagine that. how hard that. It's that, not easy. It's not easy. I could tell it wasn't easy. It, you you did pretty good, but uh, golly, that seems like a rough thing to have to learn how to do. Congratulations. Yeah, we, cool. we we can barely speak when it's our, our native language, so you know, uh, respect for that. Um, okay, now I could be mean. That was a horrible pitch, though. Uh, I respect the attempt, but the actual structure of the pitch um, was just not great. And uh, like you know, in the chat here on Stonks, on a scale of one to ten, ten being that was super clear and compelling, one being 
I, I was cloudy and not compelling. Give it a score, one to ten. I'm curious what it was for for you guys. One being low, not clear and compelling. Ten being very, very clear and compelling. Ch- type it in the chat. Just and they're on like a delay. they're on like a 15 second delay, by the way. So, so it's going to start what comes through. It's okay, going to start go. coming in. So I'm seeing uh, an eight, and then two, two, three, two, one, three, one, two, one, two, one, 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 one. Right. Okay. So your job, Oren, is to get that two into an eight. Right, because like right. right now, I can barely even give you kind of feedback on the business itself. Like I, I went to your website, so I went to getmunch.com, and it looks like basically what you're doing is a creator spends a ton of time, let's say, making a video or a long form post. They're kind of drained by the end of that, and um, and so they post it on the one platform. They post it on YouTube. And you take that content, you turn it into clips, you put it on TikTok. You take that content, you turn it into tweets. You you basically repurpose the content, you chop it up and repurpose it so they can get more juice out of the content they made. Is that right? This is the penetration part. Like this is what we currently do. We currently have online. Uh, we can actually, if you want to see an example, um, I allowed myself to take one of your uh, episodes. Would you like to see that? Can you see that? Yes. yes. Okay, so um, let's take, for example, this episode. Okay, it was from April 6th. I kind of played around with it. And what you have here is our system choosing between three to five, the most engaging parts of the original video. And what do you mean by engaging? We do analysis both on scenes and visuals and uh, any different types of audio effects, as well as analyze with using AI, the actual spoken words in the, in the video in order to understand what would be the best clips that can fit into, let's say, a one-minute TikTok or a three-minute TikTok or a one-minute Instagram reel. So the idea is that you, as a creator, can get your original video chopped up into, like you said, into a few clips and then turn from landscape to portrait so we can publish it uh, directly to the other, uh, uh, to the other platform. Uh, so this that, is... Go ahead. Yeah. I'm, I am human optimization. <laughs> optimization. <laughs> I, I, Sean, have you ever heard of Jelly Smacked? I'm shocked, Orrin, you didn't talk about them. You've heard of Jelly Smacked, right? Sean? I was waiting for you to raise the name. Yeah. We heard so, about Jelly Smacked. Actually, we love Jelly Smacked. We love what they're doing. And uh, we love the fact that they're doing all the market education for us, uh, t- talking to content creators about content repurposing and the, uh, and the fact that you can be successful equally on all platforms. But Jelly Smacked, and again, we really admire what they're doing. Oh, come on, uh, Orrin. We really admire what they're doing, but they've been around for six and a half years and they have 500 customers and 2,000 employees. Manual labor is not really high-tech, new uh, kind of uh, what we're looking for. Using NLP and computer vision, we can do what Jadis Mc does, fully automatic, on a self-service basis, and fully scalable. This is a whole new level of, uh, of uh, content management. And just to be clear, we're starting with content repurposing. The idea is that we distribute the content for the content creator on their behalf on all platforms. So we can take back the the analytics that we get from the platforms and then create a kind of a cockpit in which the content creator sees everything that is going on and can understand what exactly they need to focus on, where is their niche, what is the topic they need to talk more about. And uh, and kind of you know progress along the lines that every content piece can become thirty to fifty different types of content pieces that create more data that you can then analyze and then uh, create the whole feedback loop. So yeah, this is the idea. Was I have a question, really quick. But what's stopping this 
to me, maybe there's a world where this kind of becomes like the, uh, um, you know, Buffer. Buffer.com started just by, like, you would schedule, like, tweets to go out. And then, like, everyone kind of offered that same thing. And that feature became somewhat of a commodity. Um, is there a world where this this thing that you've built becomes a commodity and you actually have to offer more stuff. Like for example, I don't actually know if this is true because I don't entirely know how they work, but it seemed like jelly smack. One of the ways they make money is they actually don't charge the creator, but they put ads on the creator's videos and they take a cut. And so it's like the technology that they're offering is just like a feature. And the real value is that they are giving the creators more revenue by giving them an ad split. And always be the money maker. Yeah. Yeah, so is there a world where this technology you have really just becomes a commodity and you got to offer other stuff in order to keep people on? Yeah, so the idea is, is, is actually, you know, like dropshippers have, have Shopify and marketers have HubSpot, content creators will have uh, Munch. And the idea behind that is that currently there's no platform like that. There's a lot of vacuum in this space. And currently this vacuum is being filled by hundreds of thousands of freelancers on Fiverr, Upwork, and a little to, uh, to medium agencies. So this is something that people already consume, but either they're paying uh, premium money for their services or they're giving up like between, and these are real numbers, 30 to 50% of the re- revenue that is being generated by the agencies. So yeah, the idea is that it's going to be uh, the central platform for content creators, the central copy they can use. And in terms of the business model, if this is what you're asking, so we have like two options and we're currently, we're still pre-seed, we're still, you know, playing around, experimenting with the business models. We can do both things. We can charge a premium fee for the premium features. And there's a, there's a lot of things that we can charge for, like, you know, creating, taking your podcast and creating Twitter threads for the next month uh, that we can distribute in the right time. Or we can just use this inventory that is being created via Munch and integrate brands into it and do brandies and get money from brands and pay the creators. So we're still not sure which business model will win. Right. Uh, we're going to experiment with both in the next few months. But yeah, it's, it's like a, looks like a huge potential. So, so I would not be interested in investing in this business uh, for a couple reasons, but I, I would say like, you know, uh, the main, the main two is like, I feel like it's going to be, Based on how difficult it was to get us interested in the business, I think you're going to, creators are super busy, a thousand opportunities coming at them at all times. And it seems like you're going to have to really punch through the noise in order to be able to get there. And I don't really have confidence you're going to be able to do that. That's kind of the first piece. Uh, Second is like anytime somebody's using AI, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I got to see it to believe it. Now, what I will say is your pitch with the slides was, putting me to sleep but the pitch where you showed my face i'm like oh wait it's me great you know so so i would i would definitely lead with the demo uh but yeah. and that's not just for us because we create content a lot of people create content a lot of investors do but even if it wasn't us hey this is a popular podcast blah blah blah. so here it is it's the one hour thing not everybody's going to watch it today they pay you know editors and social media people thousands of dollars a month to go find good clips cut them out post them on tiktok post them on whatever because they know they're leaving so much growth on the table if they don't do it. But with Munch, they'd either be able to do it themselves or they can hand this tool to their person so they can make 10 times more clips, um, you know, and, and not have to hire as many people. 
And so then you're explaining, you know, the, the th like your demo was the most impressive part of your thing where you're like, look, long video, push a button. I get a properly formatted clip option and I have, you know, 10 of these that I could choose from and we're trying to do this all automatically. Right. So so I think that you can you can make your thing more compelling um, if you kind of like work on how you explain it versus like it was all intellectual. It was all theory based, whereas you want it to be story based. Right. So instead of saying, you know, content creators you know, have complexity when it comes to managing multiple platforms, that's intellectual. Uh, you want to make it a story, which is like, here's these guys, they do this stuff. They record this three hour thing. The last thing they want to do is this, or Hey, for your podcast right now, we have a $5,000 clip contest running. It's like, you're paying $5,000 just for somebody to cut clips of your, of your video into, into TikTok. What if I told you that I had a tool that would do that automatically for you and you, right. your producer could just go do this, you know, in 10 minutes after their thing, they don't have to rewatch the video. They don't have to do blank, blank, blank. They don't have to resize it. They don't have to export it. We've done all of that for you. Um, and the best part is, you know, blank. And so you, I think you can make this a lot more compelling, but as it is right now, I would not be interested in the business. Well, thanks for the feedback. Um, for that great. reason, I'm out. Do we do the Shark Tank thing? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for the feedback. And regarding customer acquisition, actually, this is exactly what we're doing. We, we, we're creating preemptively the videos for them, and then we send them uh, via an email marketing machine that currently has like a 4 to 5% conversion rate and a database of 800,000 content creators on YouTube. And we're using influencer marketing because it turns out after talking with more than 100 uh, content creators, the way that they learn about new tools and new platforms is by watching bigger influencers. So we're using influencers in order to get to more, uh, uh, more customers. It's kind of neat because we just uh, got to 2,000 uh, users in less than two months. So yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of starting to grow. Cool, Sam, anything else on your side? The same question um, that I that I asked the other folks, and I don't know why you guys aren't doing it, but paint the picture of like, uh, how's this going to make me wealthier? You know, like, like I, I like get down to like my my primal in my like my primal desire here of like I'm giving you money, so how big is this going to get, and how do you sell or go public, and I get paid more than what I gave you? Uh, you know, like paint that picture for me. Yeah. So. Why, once we have 5,000 users, paying users, we're going to hit the $1 million ARR. It's an actual ARR because it's a recurring revenue once you uh, charge them on a, on a monthly basis. Uh, and there is a serious uh, virality um, and symptom in the area of content creation. It's kind of a PLG because once you create content with Munch, we have our logo and some mention to Munch on the, on the content. The idea is that other creators are watching and getting into the game. So it's going to uh, be uh, a very, very quick growth. In terms of sizes, current market is $65 billion. It's going to grow aggressively in the next few years. So, you know, sky's the limit. Uh, it's going to be a unicorn. It's going to be a big company. And this is what we're aiming for. Good. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming. Thank you. See you, Oren. Bye. I, uh, Sean, man, like what I was saying to him about the, the English uh, thing, Dude, it is, if you don't speak, if you have a, an accent, you're at such a logist, like in, just in terms of logistics and understanding everything, you're at such a disadvantage for these things. It's a really, really hard thing to, to overcome. And it, it's, I mean, it's cool that people uh, overcome it, but holy moly, I would not want to be in that position. It is tough, right? It is really hard. And um, 
and you know, I feel like uh, that's why I think the the deck and the story I think need to be kind of like crafted well, so that that can be the kind of like universal language that you're working with as you as you go through this. I like as an investor, and even just like when I'm ever trying to suss out anything, I have to work extra hard to be like, okay, this person. It, well, like a lot of times we're investing. Sometimes we're investing just on charm. Like, all right, this person is charming enough that I feel as though they can they can convince other customers to buy, right. or or they can convince employees to join their company. Uh, you know, that's like kind of like that Adam WeWork guy thing. And then there's other times where I'm like, okay, but like, what's the idea here? And is the idea good? And I have to kind of challenge myself to be like. Uh, to like look beyond where they currently are because of maybe like a lack of it's just hard to understand man that that it makes a difference uh, and 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 I have to like overcome that a little bit yeah uh, and I would say some of my best investments have come from very charismatic CEOs and some of my absolute worst investments have come from charismatic CEOs it cuts both ways on that totally front. Um, by the way, I can't get into stonks. It's like dead for me. Um, so I don't know. If I had to refresh it. it as well. And everyone in the chat is saying they had to refresh it too. Yeah. When I refreshed, I'm letting me in. But all right. Uh, either way, that's okay. I don't, I don't need that open. We want to do another one. I think one more or two more. One more. There's Allison, Nickel Pass. All right. Or Zaza. Sorry. I don't know who's presenting. All right. That's me. Hey, guys. How are you? You guys can see my screen? I think they can. All right. Okay. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, name is Zaza, CEO and co-founder of Nickel Pass. Before this, I was the head of international expansion at Huffington Post. After that, I was groomed to be the CRO, where I discovered we were not profitable. Uh, we were the largest news site in the world outside of China. And I didn't know before I took the job that we actually hadn't found a way to monetize the 200 million people coming to our websites globally. I'm Allison Pao, COO and co-founder. Um, part of this, I was actually a banker for about 10 years. And our way of sharing news and information on the team was to have my EA print out an article, leave it on the center conference table and say, please read. And that's certainly not a way of sharing news and information that scales when you're working on remote teams, distributed teams, and asynchronous teams. So Nickel Pass really solves for all of that. Um, and awesome. I'll just jump in. One of the things that we've come up with is the what we call cocktail party pitch. Uh, when we're at a party, people are like, what does Nickel Pass do? And what we say is, you know how you get uh, an article from a friend shared with you and you get that pop-up that says pay for the full site? Well, we invented a product where you never see that again. And the way our business works is we sell it to enterprises, which allows them to get up to 70% off of retail. And we customize the pass based on what each department and team and user needs to be successful. So here's the nickel pass. I'm in front of a business insider paywall. I click a button. Oops, I don't think. There we go. Okay. There we go. Through the paywall. So... I hit a paywall, I go to my nickel pass, which is a Chrome extension, click on Business Insider, and that's it. I never see a paywall again. So it looks like we're having a little bit of who's sharing what, but you guys saw the product. Um, a couple of things about the business. So because of our background, the chairman of the company is the former head of strategy at CNN. 
we've been able to collect a network of over 200 publications, including the, the LA Times, uh, Crunchbase Pro, Time Magazine. And we always like to point out that Beer Business Daily is on here for a reason. If I'm an enterprise, we work with Anheuser-Busch. They don't need just the New York Times. They also need uh, Beer Business Daily, which tells them about how the craft beer market is doing in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, in terms of the business, we've booked over a million in revenue. So that's uh, a million of hard revenue and 1.2 of bookings. Uh, some of uh, the companies we work with include Anheuser-Busch, as mentioned, Visa, and also Publicis and Havas, which are respectively the number one and number two marketing and PR agencies in the world. In terms of why people come to us, if you wanted to get these subscriptions yourself, be our guests, it costs you over $1,000 a year just for five different sites. Obviously, that's not going to scale if you're an enterprise. And some of the other problems in the space and the reason we've been able to get so much traction in 18 months. Uh, number two, there is no tech-enabled way to buy group subscriptions. So if you wanted 10 licenses from the New York Times today, you're essentially filling out a form. And then number three, uh, now three out of every four news sites require a subscription or have a paywall. When we started the business, now, a little over three years ago, that number was at uh, 30%, so about one in three sites. So we'll stop there. This is awesome. This is awesome. So we, we can just recap, because uh, I think some people are having trouble in the stocks platforms. They might have missed the beginning of the pitch. But basically what you did is, I work at a company. I go try to click some article to read some important news story that some of my coworker sent me. I get hit with a paywall. Oh, shit. Hey, man, what did it say? I don't have a Business Insider subscription. Uh-huh. And our company, which is, let's pretend we work at Google. Oh, Google uses Nickel Pass, so I can just use the Chrome extension and bypass the paywall because Google has paid for a multi-seat uh, license to Business Insider. So Business Insider is getting this huge bulk subscription buy. At, they'll give it at a discount. Yep. Google wants its employees to be able to read news, and employees don't have to pay for it out of pocket. That's what happens. That's that's, that's exactly and I'll, I'll add some other things. Publishers right now convert less than one percent of the people that come to their website to pay for the full subscription. So it's a win-win for everyone where they they're basically getting all of these people that they would be monetizing at cents on the dollar per year from advertising. But do you if if Google buys 20 seats, do they only get Business Insider or do they also get all the other publications you had listed there? And if they if the second one, how do you figure out who which publisher gets paid what money? Right. Yeah. So we have over 200 publishers in our network. We add more every day. We create bespoke packages. So how we have an initial package that's you picked six out of 10 publications. It includes Business Insider and many others. And that's $23.95 a user a month for that package. After that, we'll upsell from there. And we work with customers to design custom packages based on the industry you're in and the role you're in in your industry. So if you work at a big bank and you're in marketing and PR, you're going to need a very different set of publications than someone who's at the comms team at Google. But you're, we'll be able to work with you to customize that. And a lot of that you're now able to do on your own on our administrative panel. But then how does, uh, if let's just use round numbers. Let's say it's $30 yeah. a month. Does yep. business, And you have two publications. Does Business Insider get $10? New York Times get $10? And you guys get $10? So what we do is we work with the publishers to either take rate cards they have or create ones from scratch. And so that way in the custom package, the publisher is always made whole. So in your example, it all depends on the number of seats that Google signs up with. So if they sign up with uh, 10 people or a thousand people, the price may go from $10 a month, which is a 20% discount off of retail 
to $2 a month, which is, you know, much more off of retail. And then we bundle that and then charge an administrative fee on top of that. And that's the bespoke package. What's the fee percent? Uh, so right now, gross margin is anywhere from 44 to 55%. Um, and that's a combination of not only the seat fee, but we integrate with uh, Okta, Microsoft Active Directory. So it's really single sign-on for news Man. publications. And we basically handle all of the admin uh, for both the enterprise and the publisher. That's amazing. So uh, let's talk Let's talk about the traction. Okay, so you showed a bunch of publications that you guys have yep. gotten to agree with this. How many companies are paying for this? I, I don't know if I, I missed that part or uh, it wasn't yep. in there. Yeah. Yep. So we have over 125 companies who we currently work with, and we're, we're adding more every day, both uh, smaller companies as well as large enterprises. Uh, and what does that mean for revenue for you guys? Yep. So we're at 1.2 million um, ARR and we're on track to be 3 million by the end of the year. And you're raising uh, at a $15 million valuation. And that's and correct. That's 3 million as in net revenue. And you get, or is that 3 million as in you, there's that's 3 the million, bundle. there's 3 million for the bundle and you take 45 that's to right. 50% of it. Correct. That's right. Yep. The, the second one. Correct. So more like 1.5 million is that in real re- in net revenue? Is that right? In net revenue, yes, 1.5. And um, okay, great. And so, and how do you how do you onboard customers? So what what do you do to go get the next mm-hmm. 25, 50 customers? What what happens? Well, I think one of the things that we're really excited about is the 120 companies we have. They have over 400,000 employees. So what we found is that it's much easier to upsell within an organization once you land them. So what we're seeing is that our growth trajectory, if we go from the 1% to the 3%, that's how you get to the three. And that's why only focusing on two segments right now, marketing and PR and then consumer finance. That doesn't count telco, doesn't count on some of the tech companies you mentioned. It doesn't count international, which is actually my background from post. Gotcha. So you're just going to expand within the companies you're already in to get to to get to three million gross. Okay, but how do you get more customers uh, from here? What is the strategy? Is it outbound? Is it inbound? Is it some referral program? What What do you do? Yep. Yeah, it's we primarily have a cold outbound marketing strategy. Um, So we do a lot of lead gen, um, and then we do some organic search and organic social. And now this is a cost to companies at a time when a lot of companies are cutting costs, right? So today yep. uh, they're just not paying for this and employees are just not getting the benefit or they're paying, you know, employees pay out of pocket. Yep. Um, if I do this and I have, you know, 1% of my employees doing this, all of a sudden I've added a, I don't know what your, what your average volume is, but let's say 10 grand, 10, 10 grand a, a year. What, what is the average cost to a company? So that that's grown. When we first started, it was roughly the seven to ten grand a year. Now what we're seeing is fifty uh, k, um, and that um, having opportunity to grow. And here's the thing, you know, people see it from two lenses. So there's the cost savings, and they look at our costs and they're like, well, it's better than everyone buying it at retail and then expensing it back to the company. So that's mm-hmm. one thing. And the second thing is, in a time like this, if you miss a critical piece of news in your industry, the opportunity cost for that is much higher. And so you're going to feel some type of way for not paying the 50 bucks per person per seat because you're like, oh, I was trying to like basically refine the cost. We like to say what we're going after is the budget people used to use on soda machines <laughs> because this is one of those. Oh, oh, I think we 
lost those out there. Um, but yes, this is an expense that people actually already have. They just don't realize it. Frequently, it's being put on personal cards and then expensed back to the company. So the other thing that we're doing is actually giving finance and procurement a single light on them. So they really understand how much they're spending on news and information and data, which for the 40 professional, the 40 million thousand, the 40 million professional services workers in the U.S. is extremely important to know. Okay, great. Uh, I also feel like there's probably some strategy where you go to Anheuser-Busch and Anheuser, you know, once they have their 1% of people on, you go to every other beer company out there and you say, hey, Anheuser-Busch does this so that their employees can read Beer Journal Daily and this and that. Uh, you know, would you guys be interested? There's a, I think within industries, you could sort of play play off each other a little bit. Exactly. And we, we've seen that um, social proof model work extremely well with marketing and PR firms and with financial services firms. Allison, how big is this going to get? You know, what are you, what, you're going to get to 100 million in recurring revenue? What's going to happen? Yeah, without a doubt. So we are we see ourselves as really the next uh, version of cable um, and how we access news content and information um, digitally is going to change drastically from how it it works today. Um, and Nickel Pass is going to be the single stop solution for that. What? Um, how many so, employees? Let me ask that qu- same question a little bit differently. Because yeah. uh, Sam, Sam yeah. likes to hear the kind of how big is the dream. I, I like to hear it a little bit differently, which is what would I need to believe for this to be at 100 million in revenue? Meaning how many companies, how many people, what, how do you work your way to 100 million in revenue? Yeah, so our goal has always been to get everyone access to quality news and information. And by everyone, we don't just mean professional services workers. We also mean individuals. And there's a certain price point that individuals can pay for access to quality news and information. So we're exploring what that is. But I think it's extremely important to note that over the past five years, we've understood. And I think the general public. So actually, could you give me the math? So like this many companies paying this much a month is 100 million in revenue. And then I need to know, is that a believable number of companies that's like, you know, out of the total universe? So how many companies would you need to be paying you for you to be at that point? Yeah. So we'd need to be at about um, 10,000 companies based on on our initial math. So 10,000 companies. And um, you think that those will, you know, right now you're at whatever, 25. You think by the end of the year, you can get to maybe 40 or 50, something like that. Uh, Oh, no, no. So we're at 150 right now. Sorry, you're at 150. Great. Yeah, we're, we're, you know, well beyond the, that initial group. And what are you guys going to have to do to go from 150 to 10,000 companies? What will actually need to happen? Yeah, so it's it's two-pronged. It's that we have to increase our penetration rate on the existing companies from 1% to 3%. Um, and that number is even achievable up to the 5 or 10% range. And then we have to increase our penetration in the, in the specific sectors from currently 0.01% to uh, closer to 1% in each sector. So financial services, marketing and PR, um, and then universities and associations as well. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Thanks. I think uh, we might uh, be up to time. I had one more. Did you, have you raised any money so yeah. far and from who? Yeah. Yeah. So we've raised about 5 million so far. Um, that's our last round was led by uh, River Park Ventures. So the seamless uh, food ordering company co-founders um, because they took the same B2B model to get to a B2C model. Um, and we have a number of uh, other institutionals as well, 68 Capital um, Rain Ventures. Damn, you raised $5 million at a $15 million valuation? No, smaller valuation in the past. So this new, this new round is $15 million pre-money. Oh, so you gave up a lot of the company. Yeah, what are you, how are you going to stay motivated? You got to... 
Yeah. So I understood. So we are um, reworking the cap table as we speak, because basically we pivoted the company from a uh, blockchain micropayments. And so that's total over the pivot. That's a... By the way, respect for pivoting away from blockchain, that sort of shows me that you're a a clear and independent thinker that didn't just like, oh, here's the trend. We are a Web3 company for micropayments using crypto and lightning. And it's like, what what do do our customers actually want? And in this case, you found out what they actually wanted, which was not not that, uh, but something else. Yeah, customers hated it. Publishers loved it, but it wasn't selling to um, to anyone as, as recurring revenue, right? And we could have raised it a much higher valuation, but we chose to pivot. I think yeah. I think your product is awesome. It sounds like your cap table is shitty, to be blunt. I would love yeah. I would love to hear a little bit more about how you, I don't want to hear about it now, but like how you're going to get out of that situation. I think it's it's hopefully it's fixable because this product sounds pretty sick. Um, and we got to ask people are asking why? What is Nickel Pass? What is this name? Why are you named after Nickelback? Uh, uh, news used to cost a nickel, so that's why. Okay. All right. Great. And now it costs $23 per person per month. $23 a month. Yep. Congratulations. This is sick. This is sick. I think your pitch was awesome. I said what I thought about the cap table. The product's badass. Um, One little thing between you. You guys act together, though. Between you and your co-founder, you guys should figure out who's going to answer questions and which types of questions. So you automatically know when to defer because it's a little bit of a signal when you're doing a pitch and like both are kind of like me and Sam do is we talk over each other a little bit. It's okay in a podcaster realm, but as a company, you kind of need to know, okay, technical questions this person's going to answer, uh, growth questions this person's going to answer, uh, or this one person's going to answer everything, and then they're going to say, you know, Alice, why don't you talk about that? You're, you're, you know, she knows this better than anybody. And so you'll be able to kind of defer uh, a little bit better um, in that sense. But good, really good job overall with the pitch. That's my only kind of like pitch feedback for you. Great. Thank you, guys. This data is wrong every freaking time. Have you heard of HubSpot? HubSpot is a CRM platform where everything is fully integrated. Whoa, I can see the client's whole history. Calls, support tickets, emails, and here's a task from three days ago I totally missed. HubSpot, grow better. Sick, sick company. God damn, man. That cap table really fucks things up for her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's okay though. I think it's recoverable or, um, you know, like some people like, you know, how are you going to stay motivated? Some people are motivated, you know, the number, whether the number, whether they own 50% or 35%, they, they sort of feel the same about it. It's their baby. And also they can be motivated by the regret that's giving, giving away so much of the company in the first. That's round. crazy to me. I, I, um, I, uh, am friends with this guy who sold his company for a billion dollars and he 990 million and he walked away with three million dollars because he had it was five of them either or four of them so it was four or five of them and then they raised all this money and he walked away with three million dollars on a billion dollar value sale isn't that crazy i i can't i don't understand how you get motivated when you're not going to get paid yeah well some people uh some people motivated by the mission. Some people don't do the math. <laughs> Some people are like, well, fuck, I'm stuck now. I made that mistake. And now uh, I guess I got to live with that. I, gotta, I guess I got to eat that one. Um, and by the way, shout out to her. Uh, we don't do public math, but we sure as hell make founders do public math when they pitch us uh, because, you know, you got to be able to answer that question. In fact, I, I don't even care what the, like some people think that when I ask that question, how do you get to hundred million or how do you get to 10 million ARR? I'm like, judging whether uh i'm judging whether 
that thing sounds feasible or not. And that's part of it. But the bigger part of it is, does this seem like the first time they've done this math or have they done this before? Because if, exactly. if they haven't done it before, I'm like, oh, this person is not actually thinking of plotting how to like take over and like how to build this into something big. They're just kind of like buried their head in product. And like they may not have if they haven't thought of it up till now, they're probably not going to be thinking about that in the future. In this case, I thought that she she had an answer. I haven't done the math to go check if that answer was like, you know, bullshit or real. But she had at least thought about it. we need 10,000 companies at our current you know, pricing and scale to be at that, um, you know, that revenue mark. Well, and, and I and, and I think people like think it's a trick question towards like how does this get big or um, how are you going to exit? And they'll say like this bullshit of like, well, we're not thinking about an exit. It's like, dude, come on, just like this, like talk real. I'd like like a, a good answer is like, well, the worst case scenario is I think we'll get to five million in this many years, and someone's going to buy us for fifty million dollars, and you'll get a two or three x return. I think that's like a likely worst case scenario. Best case scenario. I actually think we have a clear path to 75 million and we're going to figure out as we go. And I think these possible doors might open up and then we could either go public, which I would love to go public, or we could sell for this much money, or we just own the company forever and we grow into this. See, Uh, I I think that answer works on you because you invest your own money. For most venture capitalists investing other people's money, they don't care about the two to three X. uh, I know, but I'm saying the downside protection, it's like, to them, it's either a zero or it's huge. And so you're better off focusing most of the energy on the uh, how this ends up huge. And you might just say you might say things like um, so you don't have to say, oh, man, I can't wait to go sell this for a billion dollars. But I think you could say like like uh, we had a buddy, Ramon, who, who was telling us about this. He's like, look, right now I have, you know, I don't know what, what it was like, 100,000, um, you know, like pet owners um, who have bought from me. And I know their name, their address, their dog's name, their dog's breed, their dog's age. I know everything about them. He goes, and he named like the big, you know, Chewy doesn't know any of that because they sell uh, on store shelves. But I have the largest database of this. I think that asset's going to be worth a lot of money to one of these companies. And I think that, you know, that's beyond just the sales that we're already doing. And so you can kind of say your downside protection that we're building a valuable asset. That's kind of what I mean. I'm just saying that like, it just it, it's okay to show weakness and it's okay to show uncertainty, but at the same time, you also want to have like a yeah, but I think this could right. happen, and here's how. What the flight booking guy said is also perfect, which is you don't have to say this is going to be a billion dollar company and you're just going to autopilot like a you know venture capital robot. Like you know what he could say is basically, um, you know he's like he's like you know I don't know what the I don't know where the ceiling of this is because nobody's ever done this before. But well, there's a clear path to 75 million and we're going to get there and we're going to look up and figure out what's next. Um, and I, I think that's a totally honest, but also exciting version of that answer, which is to say, like, look, we don't know how high this thing can fly, but I know there's a clear path to this. I'm just laser focused 50 million in AR. Before I go to bed, I kiss my daughter goodnight and I say 50 million in ARR. And when I wake up and I'm brushing my teeth, I say 50 million ARR because I know that that's what's in front of us. And like, I can't sleep because it's so obvious that there's a step by step path to go get there. So you can say some bullshit like that and people get like, people start to believe that you believe that that's your certainty that there's a clear path to that makes them certain there's a clear path to it. Badass. Let's do the last one. What's up, Colton? Take it away. Hi, I'm Colton Woodard, founder of Little Ducky's Pool Company. I'm a pool industry expert with a knack for sourcing companies that may not know they want to sell and creating acquisition plan. Started out with my own pool maintenance business from zero clients. Now I make about 18,000 monthly recurring revenue all in under three years. 
My father-in-law owns a large pool resurfacing company in Orlando, Florida, and found our first private acquisition deal from a friend who was feeling like he was ready to retire. Instead of just letting his business dissolve, we negotiated a purchase at about a multiple um, of you know four months of the monthly gross revenue. <clears throat> Currently, we've secured two upcoming purchase contracts in the South Florida pool construction sector with another in negotiation for quarter four. We are projecting $10.3 million in gross for our 2023 sales with a yearly increase of 13% as we streamline the processes and add in modern tech. We're working to build a portfolio of pool construction companies in South Florida and gain a majority of the market share and then add in pool cleaning and maintenance on these accounts for additional monthly reoccurring revenue. Ideally, we'd like to secure locations in all of South Florida within the next five years with four owner operators in place who know the industry, know the business, how to utilize specific contractors. We're looking to take over the industry and build an empire. Like real estate, now is the hottest time to invest in South Florida pool construction. Sick. So, uh, let me is this basically like a PE play where you're buying uh, baby boomers businesses who put pools in people's backyards in a simple in a simple explanation kind of yeah I mean it's it's a little harder than that because you know South Florida you dig 54 inches you hit water so if you don't know what you're doing you could really muck it up um, but yeah so we know the industry we know the pool we know pool construction. So we can find people that are ready to retire. And instead of letting their business just go to the wind and the other guys pick it all up, um, we can utilize different contractors that specialize in, you know, foreman steel excavation, take his company and he subcontracts out to the plumbing guys and the tile guys, the screen enclosure guys. And he's spending so much money on paying subcontractors, whatever they need to charge, because he's got to hire them because he can't do it himself. So we buy these individual companies that can complement each other, bring everything in-house, and we can get our permits done faster, reduce our wait times and increase profits, and turn over more projects year over year. So that's why we're looking at 13% increase on our, Sorry, on our on, productivity. On so just expl- uh, multiple choice answer. Your company does what? Do you, A, sell software, B, buy existing pool companies, uh, C, uh, invest in pool companies or D other, which one of those four things do you do? B we, we buy pool uh, companies, okay. mergers and acquisitions. Yeah. So you you're rolling up pool companies and you're rolling them up and you are a, a good, you are not buying them for less or anything like that. You buy them at some fair value, but you are better operating because you do what a, you uh, have different expertise in house. B you have better software. <laughs> C you uh, have economies of scale. What is the the advantage you have? Yeah. You buy them? Uh, A and B. So we we know the business. We do it well, and we implement modern technology. So 3D modeling designs for the pools, so we can email it to customer. We don't got to go to their house with a pen and paper and show them how it's done. So we can just email it over. And then also, since COVID hit, permitting has been horrible. It slowed down a lot. Now we can do digital permitting where we can be on video chat with the uh, with the county that we're working with. And when they could be right on the phone, we could show them step-by-step step and get the phases approved without having to wait for time on their schedule for them to come to the site. So the result is you guys build pools for faster and cheaper. How much faster and how much cheaper? We build them faster. We don't build them cheaper. Okay, how, never how much a faster? Point. <laughs> um, 
it, it depends on the county. You know, each county is going to be a little bit different. But if you don't have to wait on the subcontractors to get you on their schedule or not show up and, and reschedule on you, it's it's going to be at least 20% faster. 20% faster. Okay, great. And you, up till now, you've bought how many pool companies? So right now we've signed, we have our own, we own two, but we bought, uh, we have two purchase contracts signed in agreement and we have one in negotiation um, that we're looking to get another uh, round of funding for. And then explain when you buy a business like this, uh, you know, it has this much in EBITDA. Typically it's been in business for 10 years or whatever, and you're buying it at, at some multiple um, and you're financing it. How? Well, the first two, we sold our houses. Okay. <laughs> what are you gonna do for the next two? Uh, we're looking to raise capital. And then we're also going to make a plan using the um, signed contracts. Usually you're two years out, you know, two years booked out with these with these contracts for the pool companies that we're buying. So not only we're we buying the company, we're buying the crew. We're having the owner stay on for two years as a consultant while we put a project manager in place for him to train. And then we're getting all of those contracts um, and they get paid in phases. So we'll use some of the working capital to put aside into another fund to use to purchase more businesses as we, as we roll out all the locations we need between, like I said, Foreman Steel, Excavation, Shotcrete, Tile, Marsite, Plaster Guys. We're, we're going to buy all the specialty contractors and roll them all into one company. So well, Sean and I, is one of our best investments ever, we, I think we both invested at the same time into a business. Sean, is still there? Yeah. Uh, we both invest. We invested into this business uh, that started by our friend Sieva called Endure Ventures, and his whole premise was to buy businesses that baby boomers want to retire and their kids don't want to take it over. Basically, that's and, exactly what's going on. And Sam Zell, Sam Zell's the guy who basically created the REIT. He um, owned Schwinn Bikes. He owned the Tribune. He owned a bunch of stuff. Rich guy. He owned waste management, I think. Um, anyway, he said recently in a podcast that he is making more money off of buying businesses from baby boomers who don't want to pass their companies onto the kids than he has ever made in real estate. Yeah. And so that's just further proof that this is actually quite interesting. And I think Sieva actually bought a pool business, didn't he? Sean, did yeah. he? Yeah, Dolphin Pools. It's in uh, Arizona. Yeah, and they're killing it. I would argue that that's probably the path you should go. And for these pitches, you should entirely pitch it that way. Um, um, another way that you could maybe pitch is the guy who started, I was going to bring this up on the podcast, Sean, but the guy who started, we were, uh, we, uh, Upwork, have you heard of Upwork? It's like the outsourcing tech company. He, um, started this new company called, I actually don't know how he's Ergeon, E-R-G-E-O-N. And it's a fence contractor and installation and repair business. And he just raised like $40 million for it. And he bootstrapped it to like 400 employees. Do you see this, Sean? No, I've never seen that. That's crazy. Dude, it just got relaunched, like, or it just got released like two days ago on TechCrunch. He was like, I, they were like, I, uh, we, we wanted to keep this in the DL, but basically we bootstrapped this, this into a monster business and we just raised financing for it and at a huge valuation because getting someone to build a fence is a pain in the ass. Well, we just went and just like, you, so what they did is they used a little bit of technology and they made the process easier and better. What Sieva's doing is he's just saying, no one wants these businesses. We're going to buy them for cheap and we're just going to install a manager and let it run. So anyway, I think if I was you, I would go one of those two routes and I would go all in on one of those two routes. I imagine seeing that your website, it, I went to it. It looks like it's built on Wix. 
technologies it's not going to be where you're going to play it's going to be the pe route but the problem is is you don't actually seem entirely bought in on that route so that's like my fairly critical feedback did you think i hit the nail on the head there sean yeah, well, if i can uh, go ahead Colton. if i can interject i i think that yeah that's that's pretty accurate it's a little it's a little bit more difficult you know these guys they are retiring but they also, it's very difficult to get into this industry. You have to have four years of experience and then go in front of a board, the DPBR, to even get approved to have the license to do it. So it's not like millennials or Gen Z can just, hey, I'm going to start a pool construction company today. You're going to have to go work for somebody for four years to get that experience to even do it. So it's it's really not super turnkey. So there's not a lot of competition for the PE um, to go out and scoop them up. Yeah, you know, we're we're poised and ready to strike. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm just gonna give you some pitch feedback because I think your pitch was uh, confusing and therefore hard to raise money, which is what we're here to do, right? So, um, number one, uh, like use a you you had a slide up there that had a bunch of text, but then you talked a bunch and you weren't talking exactly. A, you weren't just saying the points on the slide. You were telling a story, which was good. It's good to tell a story, but if you're gonna tell a story. Just put like a picture on the screen. Um, so it's like, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is my pool company. We've been doing this. This business spits off this much cash. And we're, you know, we're not alone. There's 400 of these just in the Florida area where I, you know, where I'm from. And I've bought two more of these. And these are great businesses to buy. In fact, I sold my house to buy these because they're such a better investment than my home. And, you know, this first one we bought, we bought it for this much. It's already paid itself off in two years and blah, blah, blah. The second one, blah, 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 same thing. And for each one of these, we have a playbook of how to buy it, grow it, and like improve it from where it was. We improve each of these businesses by over 25% within the first year. Okay, great. So we're going to keep doing this. We have a plan that is working, um, you know, but I don't have any more houses to sell. So it's time for me to go raise some money. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to raise $5 million. I'm going to go buy $20 million worth of, uh, of pool, pool companies. And we're going to start rolling these up. You've probably seen these roll-ups get pretty big. This roll-up in the dental space got this big. This roll-up in the pool space got this big in a different state. You know, Sam Zell, the guy who invented the REIT, is doing doing these roll-ups. The guy who started Upwork is now doing this with fencing companies. Um, this is a strategy that works. Now, the problem is most people don't have what I have. They don't have 15 years of pool construction experience. So even if they wanted to do this, they wouldn't really know where to start. They wouldn't know the nuances of permitting. And I could say a bunch of words you're not going to understand. But th- that, those are kind of 15 years of hard-worn lessons. And so today I'm coming here to, I'm going to raise this. I'm going to build a billion dollar pool roll-up company. And like, you got to say the category of your company, the size of the product, all of that, I think would be like, I don't know if you heard that in the chat, I know Stonks having some problems right now, but if you heard that in the chat, go one to 10, uh, where was my pitch on a scale of one to 10 of clear and compelling? Um, because that's where you need to get this to. Cause I think you actually have a really good idea. Uh, well, I don't. I don't we, think your we pitch need a, We we need a smart investor like you, Sean. <laughs> because <laughs> man, you you said it perfectly. You yeah, but he didn't want to do the work. He wants you to do the work. <laughs> yeah, I want you to be the one who says like you know I I want to invest in people who figure these things out. If I'm if you need me for help, honestly, it's uh, usually a bad sign for my investment. Uh, like I want to be helping a, a rocket that's already going and not yeah. uh, like pushing something that's at a standstill. And so, um, well, you know, you know, the investment industry and you know, the roll-ups and you know, the comparables I'm, I'm out here doing the, doing the hard work, managing the crews. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and, and so I think take that and basically say, okay, the problem was I wasn't clear on what type of investment vehicle this is. This is a roll up. Second, um, I got to weave my story, just a bit of my story, which is that I'm, I got tons of experience doing this. I've already started my roll up. This is not just a idea that's pie in the sky. I already got the first two under my belt. I did those myself bootstrapped and they're working. And now I just got to sell you how we're going to go from two to 20 doing this. And that when we have 20, it's going to be worth this much because I can just do some math, say 20 times each one is worth $10 million. Now I got a $200 million roll up. Uh, if we, if we could pull this off, right. Beautifully said. The other thing is you didn't say anything about debt. Are you taking on debt for, for doing this? You said you're kind of raising money to buy the next ones. Why aren't you using debt? We haven't taken any loans. We thought about it. We thought about doing SBA, but um, I mean, it, it just made more sense to seller finance. So what we, we actually did was we negotiated like a 10% down with seller financing over five years of the balloon payment. And the, it's so cheap. We can just Dude, why, why didn't you say that? That's a, that's a great point. I'm buying these for 10% down. I'm, like giving you, I'm giving away my secrets over the internet to thousands of people and now millions of your podcast listeners. So here you go. They're Bro, gonna no one's going to you. you it's yourself. not a secret. So you yeah. it, it's not a secret. <laughs> uh, it's, in fact, you kind of made it sound like you don't know what debt is because you didn't say anything. But uh, now we've revealed the truth. Okay, great. Honestly, yeah. again, I think you actually have a very good business idea. Um, Presented slightly differently, that be you know, I think it could be very investment worthy, especially right now. You know, you see stocks going down, you see crypto going down. These private companies are raising at huge valuations with like, you know, software and a dream. Whereas you're like, actually, I buy successful, profitable companies, and I'm just a better operator than the mom and pop. And I'm going to aggregate these because like I just have a playbook that I can just keep rolling out. And by the way, I buy these for ten percent down, so that means you know. Uh, you know, I, my cash on cash return after you know 15 months looks like this, and so you you have a very very strong pitch, um, and you just gotta like you know put it all together. Yeah, so, after 30 years of doing something, they're gonna be real tired. You know, they don't want to they don't want to push the needle. They don't want to make it bigger. They have a paycheck coming in, salary they're taken care of. So right, there was and, a guy. So right now for the listeners, Colton. He's sitting in front of a bookshelf that's empty, and someone just says, uh, "Peter Thiel's zero to one is not on his bookshelf." And for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> this is where all of my trophies are going to go for uh, for all the wins we're about to have. <laughs> oh, lean startups not on his bookshelf. For that reason, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, you you seem to be spending too much time actually building your business. I need somebody who's way more into reading about yeah. business. <laughs> yeah, you don't seem like you do yoga. I'm out. You're on a gamer chair. You're not right. like on a, on a treadmill desk. I'm out. You eat carbs. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, thanks, dude. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Um. All right. Uh, I asked. Al, I don't know if Ali's going to pop up. The guy who started stocks, but that was that was fun. Um. Some. I think some people need some work on their pitch. Not as much work on their business, but work on just like saying what the fuck they do. So let's go most interested to least interested. Uh, let's rank the companies based on, on that. I'll, I'll kind of remind you what they were. So there was 5X. That was the first business that pitched, which was doing something that we could barely understand, but had a million dollars of, of ARR commitments um, you know, for his kind of like marketing stack that he was, or you know, this like vendor stack that he was putting in a box. Then we had, I think, Fly Together, which wasn't their name. It was like Bakari or something like that. Group booking on travel. 
Uh, third one we had was uh, Orem, who was doing Munch, I think, uh, which was taking creators' content and letting you chop it up into bits and letting them re- making it easy for them to repost using uh, AI and some software. Then we had uh, the last guy was Duckies, and before that we had Nickel Pass. Did I miss anyone? Yeah. Uh, All right. I did, I did miss someone or no? No, I don't think you missed someone. I think my ranking from most to least, from the ones I would want to invest in to the least, I would actually put Nickel and Fly together. Maybe Nickel first, but the Fly together, Bakari, I would put that they would trade for one or two. In the middle would be 5X, and then uh, tied for the bottom ones would be uh, the Jelly Smack competitor and Duckies. Okay. All right. I like it. Mine would be Fly Together number one. I thought that uh, he seemed great and the business seemed, you know, pretty straightforward and had momentum. And, you know, I need to go look at the competition. Like, is it really as backwards? And he's kind of the only real one doing this as, as it made it sound. But I, I like the sound of that one. Um, I, I actually think that Duckies is probably the second or first best investment. Uh, but I'm not sure I would want to invest in Colton just because, you know, he seemed like, a, like I think I'd want to hang out with him, but I'm not sure I'd want to invest in him because I feel like I'd just be frustrated because he speaks a different language than me. He speaks like digging holes in the ground and building pools. And like, I speak like frameworks and it's like, you know, Hey Colton, I like you just change the way you look for me, please. Yeah. Just like just talk entirely different for me, if, will you? <laughs> if I invested in it, I'd be like, look, we're allowed to hang out, but we'll never be allowed to talk about the business. And like in 20 years, just mail me a giant check. And just in between, I need to pretend it's gone. Uh so so that, that'd be my second and one. And by the way, I'm Colton, I'm messing with you. <laughs> um also I love the name of that. Little duckies, that's a great cool name. Uh I'd do nickel pass three, and then the other two I probably wouldn't invest in. So those are kind of like four and five. Um, all right, Ali, you're here. The crowd is beating you up because stonks was crashing. Ali, is just a, uh, is it because we're too popular? Are we just too popular? Is that what happened, or or is this some something else? And this is Ali Moyes, the founder of Stonks. Yes. Thanks for having me, guys. Great, great show. Loved the real talk. Honestly, I think it's it's the best real talk we've had on Stonks, uh, and and, and uh, you know the comments show it. Um, yeah. So you guys crashed Stonks. You. you uh, this this is one of our biggest events, um, uh, and we were also in the middle of like a code migration. So there were more issues at this event than the last like fifty events put together. So the stream crashed a few times, but a page refresh did fix it. Uh, but it it will be a lot more stable going forward. So thank you for hanging in there. And I can attest that. So people don't know this. Me and you, we used to compete at our previous startups. So you built Streamlabs. We we were building Bebo. We we're both trying to build tools for live streamers on Twitch. And so I've seen you execute from, uh, you know, at first to far that we became friends kind of towards the end. Um, but like, you're good. And uh, when you decide to do something, uh, you guys pull, you know, you guys are scrappy and you pull it off. And uh, actually when we were competing against each other, I had asked, I had told uh, Michael Birch, who was the founder of, of the original Bebo and he was our investor. I said, yeah, there's this company Streamlabs out there. And he was like, who's behind it? And I told him your name. He goes, I know these guys. You used to have some company called Peanut something. And he's like, oh, these guys, these guys are like, you know, they always just find like the thing that people want. And he was basically described as very scrappy entrepreneurs who will just like kind of like you'll never die. And you'll like kind of just keep iterating until you find this like hook that people want. And then you'll like <laughs> go for it. Uh, we will go for it with like full force. Is that an accurate? Thank you. Thank you. You are you're too kind, Sean. Matt. have a lot of respect for what you did as well. Amazing products. 
Uh, and you guys and, kicked uh, our ass for what it's worth. I feel like the uh, in the end we were competing with you guys, but it really you guys kicked our ass. No, no, it's uh, it's great. I mean, um, uh, I have a lot of respect for 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 you and uh, you know what you what you've done in uh, Birch as well. Um, but uh, amazing, amazing event today, guys. It's just our, our our team has been loving it. The chat's been loving it. I think Sam asked uh, everyone should we do it again. Seems like seems like the chat is uh, really into it. Yes. Dude, yeah. so on the podcast yesterday, we talked about this company called Stake, and they're like an online crypto gambling website, and they basically give Drake a certain amount of money, like $10 million <laughs> a month in order to gamble, $20. $20 million a month in order to gamble on the website, and he tweets about it, and people come and watch him gamble, and they give him free house money to play with in order to uh, attract more users. So we'll take this bucks. is a gambling. This is a gambling <laughs> website. It's called stake.com. Yeah, it's awesome. So it's okay. really effective <laughs> for that company. You've so seen listen. this. <laughs> uh, we, is, is this a hint, hint? Do we need to set up like house money for you guys? Like, a yeah, house exactly. Start? Okay. Yes. Exactly. I think exactly. that you give us each like 10 or 20 grand to invest in different startups. And, and by the way, we will talking. invest random ass influencers in also. So we'll go get, you know, we'll get Jake Paul in here. We'll just go get a bunch of like, other famous people to be our friend of the house and just give us a house budget to go invest in startups. You know, this is, this is actually not uh, a half joke, half idea, but this is actually not a terrible idea. This is, Oh, so, so we have, no, a, we, we're, look, we're smiling. <laughs> don't, 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 don't assume smiling means a joke. I am not joking. I'm being dead serious. We should do this. So, uh, so the way we could do it is we, we, we have a small fund. It's called the best of stonks fund. And we do write checks into interesting startups, particularly high traction or, or great co-investors, um, similar to what you guys look for. So what we could do is for your next event, we could each give you um, one, one check. So you pick your one favorite startup out of the five or so that pitch at your next event, and, and we'll write that. Yeah, but I want, uh, we, we want stakes in it, bruh. Ah, oh, okay. So that's that's a little more work. <laughs> I mean, I have to figure it out. That's all right. We'll <laughs> let me let me get back to you. Maybe maybe we can give you some carry on that. Or yeah, that would be fine. Something out. Okay, that'd be yeah. cool. All right. Um, so um, also, people need to know that Ali Moyes is not the same as Moyes Ali, the, the the other guest on our podcast all the time. Right, did I call him Moyes Ali? My <laughs> no, no, no. You, you said it right, but people in the chat are like, "Wait, is this the deodorant guy?" It's like, no, there's. There's Moise Ali, that's the deodorant guy. There's Ali Moise, that's the stonks guy. So yeah, I'm not uh, I'm the investing guy, not the deodorant guy. You got to be sick of that. I, I have to assume. Uh, you know, it's fine. It's uh, it's more followers for both of us. People, we we confuse all our followers. It's great. That's amazing. Okay, and also we've been doing this bookshelf uh, meme this whole time. Get us a book off the shelf. There, something that has helped. You've sold a company for over a hundred million dollars, I believe. Uh, and uh, so, so you read books and you've had success. Go give us a book off that shelf there that you will recommend to the crowd. Something that you think has helped you. Um, I think. Bring it over. Um, go, go grab the book. Okay. Okay. Dude, uh, he's got a nice house. Does he live in San Francisco? That was actually my test to just see if he's wearing only underwear uh, on a lot on a, on Zooms. And no, he he passed. He's wearing wearing shorts. If you he's ask me to get up right now. You might be, uh, you know, this this stream might might be rated, you know, PG thirteen at least. Are you wearing only underwear right now? I'm wearing my jambies, which are <laughs> which are, are are more than underwear. Okay, so this this is what I'm reading right now. It's I have it's, the same it's a one. Dense read. 
but um, huge, huge fan. So wow. it looks like uh, I actually bought this as well. So it's a uh, compilation of uh, night from 1964, I think, up until 2010, or I forget the year, of every single one of Warren Buffett's annual letters. And what you'll notice, I actually analyzed this, his words per sentence actually get shorter and shorter each year. And I would argue that's because he's becoming a better writer. And what's really interesting about that book is he explains like really complicated topics like Geico car insurance in incredibly easy to understand ways. So I, I think that's a good book to read. That's cool. Connor in the chat goes, he picked the heaviest book he has. Power move. I agree. <laughs> Absolute alpha move of you just now to go pull a, a, a you know, 36 pound book off the shelf. I, I appreciate that. All right. Well, uh, Ali, thanks for help. Tell your boy, John Hancock and the rest of the team. Thanks for making this happen. This was awesome. Uh, Sean, uh, I think, I guess we'll do this again. This was, this was pretty good. I think we had a little kinks work out, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Let us know. Tweet at us. Um, if you're if you're here live or if you listen to the pod, tweet at us if you if you want us to do more of these or or uh, you know if this should be a one time thing. <laughs> <laughs>